Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. If you would like to help Room 9, please visit their support page. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. We have to remember that our child is still in there, our adult child, you know, Mm -hmm. and that the behaviors are not coming from that core person, not who they really are deep down inside. They are that sensitive being who's helping people like you were. And and I think even in your darkest moments, you were probably helping people because it's who you are. But then that addiction just drives the behaviors that we see on the surface that are so hard to wrap our heads around. And I hear Mm -hmm. a lot of you know, parents are like, how can he do this to me? And my reminder, you know, and we've been there too, like, how can he do this? But then you have to come back to, it's not him doing it. It's really not. <laughs> and that's what I, I think that's where the healing comes is when we remember it's a disease and um, we come together and talk through, yeah, those, those were really bad times when you did these things, but you, I love. And today's guest is Barb Klein. She's an author. She's a life coach. She's a self-care guide, a retreat leader. She calls herself a possibilitator, (laughs) which I love. She is just big in supporting other moms who have had kids who have struggled with substance use disorder. And she just partners with women who want to, what she calls, come home to themselves. She lives in Rochester, New York, and she is just an incredibly, incredibly inspiring woman. How much she's got going on, the things she's been through. And just the way she helps people and other mothers. She doesn't work exclusively with women, but that seems to be obviously the main main clientele she attracts. What a gentle heart, gentle soul. She's a beautiful human being, and I was just very fortunate and felt privileged to have this awesome conversation with her. So look for all her links below. You can buy her book, 111 Invitations. It's really, we talk a lot about that in this podcast episode, so check that out. Links to her website to get the book, Amazon site, and her social media sites are in the description. All right, guys, I am going on vacation for a couple days for the first time in a long time, so I'm excited. Do a little camping in the 70-degree weather in November, so enjoy your week. I am excited for what is to come. All right, much love. Peace. You're an author, you're a coach, you do retreats. Um, what else? What else do you I see? Did, did, did I see correctly that you've been writing a blog since 2014? Probably. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy crap. So you've been doing that for a while. Not consistently, but yes. Well, how often do you do you post on your blog? I mean, uh, I've seen it. Yeah, you had stuff from months back, years back, I should say. In an ideal world, once a month or twice a month, but it's pretty hit or miss. That's awesome. So you got yeah, you got a lot going on. Most importantly, you are a mother. I'm a mom, yeah. Um, I feel like one of the first things I go to when I think about you and even the conversations we've had, the couple of them that we've had in the past, and then I think of like my family and my parents and my girl and just my immediate family and what we had to do with my recovery and what they had to do. And as I reflect on my observations of them 
especially or when things are really bad, you can almost see that that becomes my my substance use, my addiction becomes almost their substance use and their addiction in the same in a sense of they're obsessed with me, you know, watching me, keeping an eye on me, making sure I'm okay. What are you doing? And yeah. that becomes their life and that becomes overwhelming. And you can forget you are an individual. You can forget you're a human being. And that's something I think you really teach people to mm-hmm. do. You're still an individual. You still have your own life. We just went deep real quick here. Just right yeah. into it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's the first thing I come to when I you know, I think of you and our conversations. Anyway, yeah. the few of them that we've had. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that's a great, you know, a great topic to go in, go yeah. into. And I would like, obviously, I want to touch. I don't know. When did you write your book? I, Either way, I want to touch on that a little bit to push that out to some it came people. Out, it came out in 2016. I started it in 2014. Okay. And it's called 111 Invitations, yes. right? Yes. All right. Look at that. <laughs> do you have a copy of it or no? I do not. No. Okay. Yeah, I have it here. So, I mean, it might be something I read from at some point if there's a opportunity for that or... Yeah. And I've heard your poem. <clears throat> your poet. I forgot that too. Yeah, that's what's in there. Poems and reflections and invitations to really you know look at your own life and which is great yeah so yeah i don't know there's so much to go so we'll so, see where so we many go. places to go and <laughs> yeah but i guess for starters you know introduce yourself kind of i guess touch on some points why you kind of doing what you're doing and we'll just see where things lead all right sounds good okay so i'm barb klein my business is called Inspired Possibility, and it's really all about helping mostly women. I'm not exclusive, but that's who I tend to attract to me to come home to themselves, to kind of get away from the other things that are going on in their life and remember who they were as a woman before whatever else started happening in their life. You know, whether that be career roles or mom roles that take them away and consume them. Most of the women, if not all, tend to put other people first and have themselves be the last priority. So a lot of the work really is around self-care and mindfulness and self-compassion and just coming back to, it's not selfish. Actually, it's really critical that we make time for ourselves, that we give ourselves permission to live life, to enjoy it, regardless of what's going on with the people that we love. And so, of course, that comes back to my being a mom of a young man who struggled with substance use disorder for the last 11 years. And his journey continues. And it's been you know, everything, everything that 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 journey is, lots of ups and downs and um, twists and turns. And I often say it feels like being in a hurricane um, because it it, it comes along and picks up everybody in its wake, right? And it just can Mm -hmm. throw everybody into the storm. But what I like to remember is there's a Brandi Carlisle song called The Eye. And she says, you can dance in the hurricane, but only if you're standing in the eye. So Mm. it's all about, to me, getting getting that centered strength, getting the grounding within ourselves so that, yeah, we're still going to get bumped and there may be times where we absolutely go down or get, you know, flung into the next state, but ultimately we can come back to our own grounding. There's a starting point. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's just, I think it's super powerful what you do because I think it's so important for people to realize you just, you get so consumed in it. It's so hard to put into words. Like even now I, I struggle to find words for the darkness and how mm-hmm. tough and heavy it can be Absolutely. in the depths of a loved one's, you know, substance use. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you know, you 
that becomes paramount. That becomes everything all consuming and you kind of forget everything else. And like, really, I had to wake myself up a couple of years and go, wait a minute, you know, you weren't even a mom until you were 29. So there's mm. a good part of your life that this wasn't even a reality. And then there were 15 years before this came into the world. And But once it's there, it does feel like it's everything. And, you know, families want to do everything they can to save their loved one. Mm-hmm. We have to learn that we can't, that it isn't our job, that we can love and care and do the parts that we can to support. But ultimately, what another person does or doesn't do with their life is is beyond our control. And that's a really hard reality to face. But it's also the point of freedom where you, mm. you know, and, and that's what I've found. And I guess that's my message is it is possible because I've done it. And, and you can still love your person and have a relationship and have a better relationship in a lot of ways, because we each are on our own journey and we honor that. Yeah. And I think it becomes, I guess there's a, I was just talking to somebody yesterday. I did a podcast with this guy and he was in recovery and I, I somehow I got on the point recently over the last few months for me, I've been really focusing on not taking responsibility for the people around me that I love, their emotions, their their attitudes, their even their anxiety about me relapsing because mm-hmm. it causes me anxiety. It causes me to do stupid things like lie about why it took me an extra 10 minutes at the grocery store mm-hmm. because I don't want to make anybody worry because I feel responsible for that. So I've been really focusing on that. And I think that goes both ways as yeah. being a loved one of somebody who's struggling because you, you do the same thing. Like, why are they using? Why are they in so much pain? Why can't I get them to stop? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And it is a control thing. So hence, I heard you mentioned mindfulness. And has that been a huge role for you and even in your coaching and everything else? Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that this week because I just started a mindf- another mindfulness immersion myself. And I think that's at the core of it because it really Mm -hmm. does begin with accepting life as it is, accepting life on life's terms. And, you know, there was a moment where I had to reckon with the the reality that my son might not choose recovery. And Mm. I remember saying that to him, like, okay, I want this for you and I have to be okay. I don't have to be okay with it. I have to accept the fact that you might not want this path. And really, how do I love you anyway? And how do I step back and let you and know what my boundaries are, you know, know what I am in for, what I'm out for. And, and I just call it a dance. I mean, I don't, there's no right or wrong way to do this um, that I have found. <laughs> you got you got to make it up as you go along, I feel. <laughs> it's moment by moment, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what self-care to me is, is in this moment, what do I have the capacity to do? What do I need? What do I want? And go from there, because that's different too. If I'm not operating on all cylinders and I don't have the bandwidth, to be able to really be there solidly, then I need to step back and I need to take care of myself first and then step in and say, okay, now I'm feeling strong enough. We can have this conversation or yes, I can give you a ride somewhere, but it it really is a a dance. I don't know a better way to say it. And I think a lot of us would love a rule book that says, here's what you do. (laughs) If only life was that easy. (laughs) Right. So mindfulness, you know, takes you back to being present, coming back to the breath and the body. I mean, that, that is the ground I stand on to be able to face what's here. Mm. If I can't go there, then it's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most most importantly for me, mindfulness and maybe mainly meditation mm-hmm. has allowed has teaches me, I should say, is teaching me how <laughs> to observe objectively everything about myself, about my environment, 
about why, you know, why am I reacting to a situation emotionally this way and try to figure things out in that way. And I think that is a piece that's missing from every human being's life. The world. That yeah. We need, yeah. People who, I mean, you see it, you turn on the television, you can see it. It just is oozing out of people that they have no idea who they are, what they want. They're struggling to, to find their identity and tribalism, whether it's in politics, whether it's, I mean, the list mm -hmm. goes on and they just don't know who they are. Right. And if you're not okay in yourself, I don't think anybody else can make you okay. No. And that's, that's been a big part of it too. It's like getting to that place where I'm okay in myself and not putting that on my son. I mean, I actually said that to him, like, that's just not a fair burden to put on you that I need you to be okay. So I can be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I, that's, I mean, that's so, that's so awesome. You say that because it, it tends to, and this is where I guess communication and boundaries comes into play mm -hmm. because we're both doing the same thing. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm the one struggling with, you know, the substance use mm -hmm. and I feel responsible that you feel responsible and you feel responsible because I feel responsible and we're not communicating this or talking, figuring this out together. And it's and an ugly we, cycle. Yeah. And, and you're just stuck in it. Yeah. And that's what I've seen with him. It's like, he does feel bad. And so then that just adds another layer of shame and guilt and, and burden of, you know, I know it's been so hard and it, I'm not going to deny and I don't sugarcoat that. Yeah, it has been hard, you know, but at the same time, it's up to me to find a way to live my life and to choose that and to not wait for him to be okay or not. Okay. And it's really, it is really hard when you're mm -hmm. in the thick of it. it you know, no, nobody could have told sometimes. me these things, right. Yeah. When I was, Deeply in the dark, it's hard to peel back the covers and see even a little bit of light, but I know it's possible mm -hmm. now. So once you know it, you can get back to it a little more easily each time, I guess. Yeah, it becomes like, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. It, it becomes a little easier each time you kind of notice it. Well, it's like a practice, like it's a mindfulness practice in itself. Every time I notice myself getting carried away, you know, just like in meditation, if you notice your thoughts are carrying you away, you come back to the breath. Well, if I notice my life is getting a carried away in this direction, I can come mm. back home to me. What am I about? What am I doing? Why am I here? And, you know, I have turned this into a way to serve as you have, you know, I think that yeah. that makes a big difference too. And you take these moments of pain as catalysts for something better. And, and actually that's usually how it goes nowadays. If something really hard comes my way from his story, throws me down for a minute, but then it just also throws me into my work that much more mm -hmm. adamantly. Like I just want to help other moms to not let the stress of it kill them because quite honestly, I mean, it's, I've talked to moms who've said that, like, I know this stress is going to kill me and I'm not being overly dramatic. No, you're not. No. No, stress could, <laughs> stress can definitely kill you. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine the the stress that is put on a person when they're when you're constantly worrying that anxiety and it's not I good. mean the effects it has. No. <laughs> you know, you mentioned there's a couple things you mentioned I would love to talk about, but something that kind of struck me that popped up was more so unconditional love. I guess you didn't say those words mm -hmm. in general, but the whole when you you have to love somebody unconditionally when they're in a substance use because yeah. you will obviously you would not love them at all if that was the case. <laughs> if it wasn't, I mean, my parents have lost two children, mm -hmm. and there's two of us. I have a younger sister, and there's two of us left. So I feel like that for them experience was even ten times more. Am I? Every moment, do I am I going to go through the same emotional and feeling again? But I think you know so much of everything comes back to as we said mindfulness and everything else. But that unconditional love of I just I'm here no matter what you're going through. Having the mindset of being able to take care of yourself, 
because as you were mentioning, when it comes to the self-care thing, you know, it seems kind of counterintuitive that, but I really feel like being selfless sometimes, as weird as this sounds, is kind of selfish because you have to kind of be selfish in order to be selfless. <laughs> right, you just twisted my mind. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? It's, I mean, it's, if it makes any sense, if you know what I'm saying, because if you don't take care of yourself, as you know, that saying goes, yeah. I mean, you have no energy, you have no, right. you know, I, I can't do more than one podcast in a day. Why? Because I'm pretty, I'm, I weigh somewhat more on the introvert side. So this takes a lot of energy for me to converse. I mean, I've become somewhat decent at it, but it's still, it takes energy. Like I need to spend time alone every day and all that. And I guess where I'm going with this is we all need to kind of just come together. And I love what you're doing and you're writing and you're bringing it out and you're just talking to people and you're taking your pain, which I feel like this is something that so many people should do, take their pain and learn from it. And I feel like if everybody in the world could just start doing that. It's such a simple thing. Come on. So simple. (laughs) (laughs) But to learn from it and that just becomes such a motivator. And then, you know, you find your passion and you get to know who you are and you can pour your pain into that. And then all of a sudden that pain has a strange beauty to it, which is also hard to explain to people. That's well said though. I mean, and and that's not sugarcoating it or jumping over the pain. And I love that you said that, you know, it's not like like yeah. we always go, oh, where's the silver great. lining, right? What no, do they we... call it? Toxic positivity. That's what they oh, call that. I haven't heard that. I've heard <laughs> spiritual bypass, which is kind of the same thing that, you know, yeah. wanting to get to that feel good state and thinking that's where we're supposed to be. And it's not bad. I mean, I think mindfulness honestly also lets us be where we are in the moment. So if I'm really mm. sad or I'm really angry, I feel that. I sit with yeah. that, you know, I don't jump beyond it. And the unconditional love, I think, you know, I think of Brene Brown's work in The Gifts of Imperfection, and she talks about you have to love yourself first before you can love other people. And you really can't love other people more than you love yourself. And that's kind mm. of a bummer for most people because they're like, but no, I really love my kids so much more. And she's done the research, so I trust her that it's just, <laughs> it's not possible. And and that's a hard sell too, because moms especially are just conditioned that it's our job to love our kids. It's our job to make sure they're safe. And so Again, coming to that reckoning of, I can't keep him safe. Yeah. And it's, I mean, really, it's a fundamental (laughs) biological motivator, right? I mean, every mother in the history of the animal kingdom (laughs) has that instinct to do anything to to protect their young. But most of them send them out of the nest a lot earlier than humans do. That's true. That's true. (laughs) I should say some, some, some of the animals allow the weaker ones to die just so the other one can at least survive. So yeah, I guess that all. And (laughs) Sometimes, you know, bears eat their children. So, all right, we're not going to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) I took an unexpected twist. (laughs) Mama bear is alive and strong. Yes. In each of us. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) But it does. It means, I mean, I've I've seen people like I've been in a state where I didn't love myself. And because I hear this saying, you can't love other people if you don't love yourself. And I I think about that. And I feel like my whole life I have had a pull to help people. Mm Even at a young age, I've my whole entire my all my siblings, all three of them, we all have had even my family. The family has been this is the house you're at. All our friends, we came here. This was the house to be at. This was the coolest, funnest, mostest, funnest house ever. And we had this attraction. People like my whole life, people would just open up to me when they're around around me. So I feel like I have helped people in the past. But 
what I really found what that statement meant was when I actually started to love myself and how much more I could help people in such I could help people on such a more deeper level. Mm -hmm. I could help people on just so much easier in such an easier way because it just came naturally because I was also taking care of me. And it's and it's easy. It's so much easier to help and do anything when you take care of yourself, when you have the love for yourself, the confidence in yourself. Most importantly, I always say the confidence to fail, as we just kind of touched on the importance mm-hmm. of that and being able to learn. And yep. I mean, it's such a it's and it, but it's a tough spot to get to. No matter yep. how old you are, I see grown people all over the place who can't love themselves, who can't communicate, who can't talk. I mean, spend spend ten minutes with my father. And we see what that leads to. But no, you can't give from an empty vessel, as I'm sure you've heard. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is about filling yourself up first. And sometimes the only way in for people is because they will be a better partner, mother, employee, employer, you know, like whatever gets you there. I don't care. Ultimately, I would love people to get there just because they deserve it and they're worthy of self-care. You don't have to do it because you've earned it. And you don't do it as the icing on the cake somewhere down the road after you do all the other things. Like yeah. this is really the foundational piece to be in the world. Yeah. I mean, I just had that conversation with somebody, how we feel that we need to earn everything. We need to work for it. We need to work hard for it. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> And then you then you get to the end of it and you feel like it's like you realize, oh, I had this all along. And speaking of, you know, mindfulness and Eastern philosophy and control, nonetheless, I always loved Taoism. Eastern philosophy is one of those things when the small pieces of it finally click in your head. They're funny. Like you start laughing literally out loud. I've read I'm a big fan of Alan Watts. I don't know if you know who that is. He was he was around in you know, the 60s and he was a huge piece and bringing just one of my favorite minds that brought Western and Eastern thinking together. Mm. And um, but he just, you know, he talks so much, writes so much on Taoism and Zen Buddhism. And it just when pieces like that click in your head, you know, it really makes you laugh because it just always talks about just going with it. You don't you don't fight it. You just kind of let it go. And when the river slows up, you slow up with it. And when the river speeds up, you go with it just as fast. And there's this quote that always stuck with me. As soon as you are free to feel unstuck or stuck, you are then unstuck. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And we always try to feel like we need to earn something. Analogy, I think a lot of people would get in Christian terms is God's grace. You know, mm-hmm. there's that Bible verse. I'm trying to, I'm a little rusty on my my verses here. Uh, I think it's Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace we've been saved through faith, not of works. You know, And we always feel like we have to earn God's grace mm-hmm. through working at it. We need to earn this. and But it's just something you have. You already have it. You have all your answers, as you know from just doing coaching. It's the first thing you learn when you kind of go through any kind of curriculum with coaching. We all have our own answers. You right. just need to help and guide to find them. And get quiet enough to listen mm-hmm. to them. That's the other piece is quieting that outer noise. Shutting your mind up. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, not, yeah, but shutting out the outer voices too that are screaming at you. Mm. you yeah. know, so many opinions, so many ideas, especially these days. But tune into that inner wisdom that's there and ask for the guidance because it's there. It's just, you have to slow down enough. You have to quiet down. You have to pause. You have to be willing to get curious and ask. So do you do a lot of mindful, like when you do those retreats, I've seen, you know, you've had some on your website. I think you just recently had one, correct? There was one scheduled this week. It didn't happen, but. No. Oh, boo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and that's an interesting one. We're not quite sure because the theme of it was acceptance and surrender. And so, you know, there was a lot of like, I don't know if people are up for that. Maybe those aren't terms that, that make sense to people or they want to 
get on mm. board with. I can see some resistance to that. So I don't know if it was that or the, the date or time, but yes, mindfulness is a big part of it. And really the whole whether it's a two hour stint like that, like these mini retreats I'm doing with my friend, Carol, we do a little bit of yoga, do a little bit of breath work, a little bit of meditation, mindfulness. We'll read some poems from my book, invite people to do a little journaling. It's really all about that deepening your relationship with yourself, mm. which is really what I think self-care is. It's it's absolutely building a new relationship with you. And I feel like that's get, what life is. Getting to know yourself, <laughs> right? It is. Like you get to know who you are and... You know, you try to make the world a little better than the way yeah. you found it. And we're fascinating beings, really, when we do spend the time and get curious about it and mm-hmm. learn to laugh at ourselves, like you say, with the Zen stuff, just, oh, there I am doing that thing that I do, you know, instead of the judgment and the shame and the blame mm-hmm. and like, yeah, okay, that's my pattern. That's my tendency. But once we notice it, then we have a choice to change it. Yeah, there's a chapter of one of my favorite books. It's called Take Care of Yourself Like You Would Somebody You Love. Mm-hmm. Because we walk around, the example he gives, it's this clinical psychologist, and he was with this couple whose granddaughter committed suicide, and he talked about how the grandma was just beating herself up. I can't believe I didn't notice this. I can't believe I couldn't help her. I can't believe this and that. And he he talks about how he asked her, he said, do you blame your husband for not being there? Do you blame your husband for not being there to save her and not noticing it in time? She's like, no, I would never do that. It's like, why do you do that to yourself? You know, why do we do that to ourselves? I mean, some people take better care of their dogs than they do themselves. Absolutely. And and then you wonder why, you know, you're just kind of stuck and don't feel any kind of anything, really. And you find other ways to numb it out. Yeah, the ways we talk to ourselves, we would never talk to our best friends. <laughs> At least not in a serious manner. <laughs> right. right. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. I mean, when I started paying attention... And this wasn't when I was in jail. When I started paying attention to how I talked to myself, I mean, it was insane. It's not a pretty picture. No, especially when you think about it in that way. What if I said these out loud to, you know, my parents or my girlfriend or husband, wife, whatever. Your poem, I remember you read a little bit of that. And you said that's what your book is kind of, right? Is poems and just ways to journal or? Yeah, it's a section. It's called 111 Invitations, Step Into the Full Richness of Life small sections and it's everything from you know twisting in the turbulence to showing up for life so it's this this blend this pathway of all of the things that happen in life right so the the hard times the dark moments when we're totally lost and the moments when we're being called to show up and wake up and and come forth and so i think it's both it's it's a call to action and it's a healing balm in the sense that you know you're not alone if you're going through some of these hard times there's a ton of questions Mm -hmm within all of the poems, I think just because that's kind of how I think. It's like a curious mind of what would it be like? And then each section has a reflection section at the end. The title came to me when I was in a massage. It just dropped in and I was like, oh, I love that. The invitations piece, because I never really wanted it to be exclusively about my situation. I want these to, mm-hmm. and, and I think they have, they are universal pieces that people read and it's like, oh, you know, this is my journey with breast cancer. This is my journey with this. I can relate to it in some way. So that's really what it is. And what's cool is like my son loves this book and he says it's his Bible. And there's a poem in here. The last poem I wrote is called, I have always loved you. And it was written after he was texting me one day on the day that I 
had decided to submit my manuscript to the people who were going to review it. And he's like, can we talk? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I have to stay focused, you know, and it's, and you know how insistent that can be. And he's like, but I have a serious question. And said, okay, fine, we'll talk later. But for whatever reason, my mind or my heart heard the question, do you love me? And so I literally wrote this poem in my head, walking home, went down, went home, wrote it down, and it had to go in the book. And then other ones have come out. And this year for Mother's Day, he wrote me his own version of I Have Always Loved You. And oh, that's it's awesome. just, it's so beautiful. It mirrors. And what it showed me was that the love has always been there for each of us, even in the moment, because the poem, I mean, I can read it if you want, but the poem says, even in the times when I've lost you. And, you know, he reflects back, even in the times when I've pushed you away. So it's like, I just, I read those two together and kind of go, okay, the love has always been there. What else matters? Everything mm. else is surface circumstances, some of which have been absolutely horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is that love and that connection and that relationship has been there at the core of it and still is. So that's kind of a beautiful thing. It is. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. It, it gave me uh, some goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I did one interview with a bomb family recovery group and I read my poem and his poem and people were like, oh, wow. You know, could you could you read those both again? <laughs> yeah, I can. Because I think families needed to hear his poem as well because they don't yep, always yeah. get to hear those words. You know, maybe their child has died before they ever had a chance to get to that point or doesn't have it within them to find themselves enough to express it or, or have the trust either way, you know, but I just, we have to remember that our child is still in there, our adult child, you know, mm -hmm. and that the behaviors are not coming from that core person, not who they really are deep down inside. They are that sensitive being who's helping people like you were. And, and I think even in your darkest moments, you were probably helping people because it's who you are. But then that addiction just drives the behaviors that we see on the surface that are so hard to wrap our heads around. And I hear a lot mm -hmm. of, you know, parents are like, how can he do this to me? And my reminder, you know, and we've been there too, like, how can he do this? But then you have to come back to it's not him doing it. It's really not. <laughs> and that's what I, I think that's where the healing comes is when we remember it's a disease and um, we come together and talk through, yeah, those, those were really bad times when you did these things, but you, I love. Yeah, I mean, even sometimes you get to the point where you crack jokes about it, unless it's just my family. I don't know. Oh, for sure. Humor <laughs> is definitely a, uh, a a big piece of a it. A part of yes. self-care. <laughs> yes, it is. And a, a friend and I used to play a game called, I bet you can't top this. <laughs> <laughs> Until it wasn't funny anymore. And then we're like, yeah, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> All right, we're done. <laughs> do no, I mean, everything you just said, I mean, it's, it's super powerful because, I mean, it, it's such a hard place to put in hard thing to put into words yeah. that that darkness of and hopelessness and emptiness and heaviness of just being in that you have no idea what's coming next not that we know that in general but i mean every phone call every breath you take you're worried about getting the phone call of your child being dead of mm -hmm. uh, being missing you're worrying about your purse going missing you're walking around with it everywhere and I mean, it just, it becomes so tense every, it's like eggshells and yes. for people to get a little relief for something that you do or write is just amazing because just, it's those little moments that kind of keep people going and maybe hopefully one day have the enough power to get them to completely change. But it's just a journey, like mm -hmm. you said, about getting to know yourself and being, knowing that it's okay to not be okay, knowing it's okay to... Mm -hmm 
be angry or upset, but still love somebody at the same time. Sometimes self-care is getting in the car and screaming yeah. or punching a pillow. You know, it's not always about getting all Zen. And I think we tend to think that. Yeah. yeah. Just walking <laughs> around all butterflies. And I've had those moments. It's like, no, you like this energy needs to move. It needs to get out, but it needs mm. to be released. And that's self-care too. So you just want to put that out there. So nobody thinks, oh, but I don't feel peaceful right now. Great. Then shake it out, <laughs> go for a run, go for a Mm -hmm. You know, get in the car, put on the music loud, scream till you lose your voice. Yeah. Again, it's getting to know yourself. <laughs> what do you need in All this right. moment? <laughs> yeah. I'm angry right now. What do I need? Oh, I, I take my run when I'm feeling stressed. That helps. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, another piece of it too, that I think is important is I find, I find, I call it, what is my term for it? I'm trying to remember it. Cause I thought I found myself in it. It's like you become stagnant in your awareness to the point where almost like I feel like bumps and mistakes that we make are a huge key to keeping us aware like just hey pay attention you're not paying attention pay attention what did you just do that you screwed because yeah. it's so easy I had a, a big moment where there was nothing my life was just golden it was good it's been good you know the last few years and when that's happening and you're just kind of going through the motions and just doing your thing and you kind of become la your self-awareness becomes very stale you and levels walk. out. Yeah. yeah. And then you do something stupid, like lie about something you don't have to lie about. And you know, you, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you're an idiot. And or or something great. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't have to always be something stupid, but, no, I hear you. but it's just, yeah. Pay attention. Come on, wake up. And it's, I mean, that's so it's such an important piece of it. Or somebody really dies grow. and you wake up yeah. and you go, oh, wait, life is short. Life is impermanent. Yeah. I don't why want to I, live this way. Why am I so angry about the dollar fifty Mary next door owes me? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a big piece Mary. I found that. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the hell's wrong with you, Mary? <laughs> Get that dollar fifty to him now. <laughs> <laughs> but as as we're kind of talking here and you know, I, what do you want to push out to people? What is kind of one of your biggest things that you want people to to know, to hear? to be okay with, whether it's, you know, just about your experience, your journey, about maybe some of your work. Really get committed to living your life. Don't wait. This is for everyone, you know? So live life is for living now. And um, I just think too often we put it off for until everything's okay, until the chips fall where they may, until the stars align, until I retire, until, until, until. And, you know, if anything, this time of COVID has shown us there are no guarantees on how long we're here for. And as my husband mm -hmm. likes to say, we only have so many heartbeats. So are you using them to the max? And where are you putting your limited time, energy, and resources? And just know that the best, good, loving, caring people sometimes could take that love and care and direct it back to themselves. And everyone would benefit from mm -hmm. that in a weird way. I mean, it's, it's counterintuitive. Oh, I just said it, right? What, what was it I said? I'll have to rewind it. <laughs> it was really good. It. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you have to be selfless or yes. selfish to be selfless, yes. right? Yes. But to know that it is real, it is a practice. Like this isn't a once and done thing. You don't get self-care and you're done. It's something that you work at over and over again. Showing up to life is something you do. And I say one moment at a time. I just, I think one day at a time. In mm -hmm. this world, there are way too many moments in a day. So I bring it down to one moment at a time. And if you can get through the next moment, the next moment, the next moment, and kind of just ground yourself in, okay, in this moment, I'm good. I'm breathing. And, you know, they say where there's breath, there's hope. Mm -hmm. And I just like to remind the families of that too. 
So we, we don't know what the outcomes are going to be for other people, but we're still alive and we're still breathing, then there's hope for us and for our lives. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah, I think somebody who is a lot smarter than me um, wrote a book about kind of translating. I don't, uh, I don't know if you know the philosopher Immanuel Kant, but basically what Immanuel, Immanuel Kant talked about a lot was how we treat everything as a means to an end, as we should treat everything as an end itself. Mm-hmm. And which is huge because we're always like always trying to get to somewhere in order to get to somewhere else, in order to get to somewhere else when it's all about just getting just the process (laughs) the process itself but i always love saying to me it's i always tell people it's not about finishing the book it's about reading the book Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how long it takes you to read a book it's about the process of Mm -hmm. reading it from beginning to end that makes it what it is and no matter how long that takes it's okay because it's just going to keep going anyway because there's no end anyway we're writing a book a book gets written one, one word at a time it doesn't end right so i love that yeah about the process itself, not coming to an end of it, mm-hmm. which the is journey, important. Not yeah. the destination, as they say, because we don't know what the destination is going to be. No, we like to think we do, but we have no no idea. Oh, when you re- when you really sit back and think about how how little control you have over everything, yeah, it it can cause some anxiety. You better become pretty good with it. <laughs> well, that and that's where the acceptance and surrender comes in. So you can go into anxiety yeah. over, oh my gosh, I don't have control, or you can be like. I don't have any control. So what am I going to do? So now what? Sounds simple. It's not easy. (laughs) Yeah. I've had a lot of conversations over the last few years and there is nothing simple about it. No, it's not for the faint of heart. The faint of heart. No. (laughs) 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 All right. Let's end there. Well, Barb, thank you very much for uh, coming out. Coming out. We're sitting in our, we're sitting in our homes. I love it. Tech technology. I have been grateful. As much as, like I said, I've avoided remote podcast, COVID forced me into it, and I've been able to have some great conversations. Not that, like I said, I would have came up to Rochester. I've done that Mm -hmm. to do the old in-person, but Mm -hmm. let's stay in touch. I'd love to do some more and converse more and so many different ways this conversation could have went, So, and that was just one of them, so we'll take it another way next time. Sounds good, Sean. Thank you. Obviously, real quick, before you go, how do people get in touch with you, get a hold of you? Where do they go to get your book, all that other jazz to find you? Okay. Uh, my website is inspiredpossibility.com, singular. And the book is there if you want a signed copy. And it's also available all places online where you can find books, 111 invitations. Great. Are you on any social media or is that something you're not? Oh, I am. Yeah. I'm, I have an Instagram. I don't know what it is. I'm not on there much, but I have a Facebook page for Inspired Possibility. Okay. LinkedIn. I'll link everything too in the description. I I think you found me on LinkedIn. I'm not on there as much as I should be, but I will be getting there more and more, I think. Good, 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 good. LinkedIn is the only social media site that I've actually got a benefit from. So I've I've connected with a ton, a ton of people locally. And I have three relationships that I've made on LinkedIn that men that I meet with once a month online. And, you know, we we have a conversation. So I'm glad to hear that. um, LinkedIn has it. I mean, like any other social platform, it can get draining and people get frustrating and you just don't spend any time on it after that. But okay. there are moments of, of goodness in LinkedIn still. For now, we'll see how long that lasts Yeah, exactly. till it becomes a political overrun parasite mm-hmm. to society. Mm-hmm. Social media. I, I have to get so much better at social media myself. I am so bad at it, and which is probably why my growth is so so slow. Mm. <laughs> But your sanity might be better. I don't know. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's an awesome way to really connect with people if it's done right. It ju it just drain it's it takes a lot of energy. Learning Photoshop, learning how to video edit, like that stuff's fun, and I can do that all day. But social media can't stand. Yeah. But you need it. You need it. So, yeah. all right, Barb. Thank you very much. I will stay in touch with you. I'll let you know when I'm releasing this. I'll send I'm you some good. links. I will put all, all right. your links in the description. So I will talk to you soon. All right. Thank all right. you, Sean. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. You too.